Raise a shout to the King. We're so grateful. Where there's hunger, it attracts His presence. You know, He's here anyway, but He loves to dwell where people long for Him. Just lift your hands just for one more moment. He deserves our praise. And whatever you're facing today, He has everything you need. Everything you need is found in Him. It's not found in your job. It's not found in a relationship. It's not found in finance. It's found in Him, the living one, the King of Kings. Oh, He's doing something this morning. He's doing something new this morning. If you're hungry, shout to Him. I prophesy it today. The spirit of faith be activated in this place. The spirit of miracles. Let them flow in this place. Jesus, you won the victor's crown. We have nothing to fear. Jesus, every need is supplied by you. And right now in this atmosphere of worship, 
This is the greatest time to take up our offering. So we're gonna get ready now for our offering. Don't change the position of your heart. This is our time where we get to reflect His goodness by the way we give. Holy Spirit, come. This morning as we give, don't just throw your offering into the bag. Put it in there today with great purpose, with intentionality. Lord, I'm sowing into your kingdom today. Whether you do it online, whether you do it here today, whatever it is, today do it with great purpose. It's not the amount we give, it's the way we give. It's the way we give to Him. I will give and I will rejoice because He is good. Why don't we take up our offering now as we sing this song? one more time. It's not a religious act. For me, it's an act of surrender. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. We yield this meeting to you, Holy Spirit, and we say, move in this place. God, we're so hungry. God, we're so hungry. Lord, Lord, we don't want to walk out the same way. We want to be shifted on the inside so that we can display your goodness and your love and your kindness and it would go out into our city and our region. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat this morning? Thank you, worship team. We have an amazing worship team. Every Thursday night, we we have an amazing creative team, actually. And that's our media team, our sound team, our worship team. And every Thursday night, they get together. And our first priority is that we worship. And sometimes it's just with a guitar. Sometimes it's with a full band, but whenever it is, our first priority is always Him. It's always Him. And this morning, I know that Jesus Christ, oh, He wants to move on your life this morning. And uh, so I want you to lean in this morning. Lean in because God is doing something new. And I've yielded myself to the Holy Spirit. And I've got a whole bunch of notes. But you know what? I want the Holy Spirit more than I want a message. Amen. I want something new in my life. Because if we, you know, you know the saying, if we do what we've always done, we're going to get the same result. So if we come into church one way and we leave the same way, then there's something wrong. Not with church. There's something wrong with you and me. Amen. Let that wrestle that out because it's never about the building and it's never about 
the people, it's always about you and me and him. It's always about, will I be open? Will I be hungry? Will I dare to let my life be challenged? And I want to, today, I want to send greetings from Pastor Dave. He's in Tauranga today preaching up there. And uh, that, so he is, um, he's also preparing. Uh, he'll be working in Auckland as well. And uh, just working with some of the pastors and leaders up there preparing for Apostle Tamarit coming. And um, so it's very exciting. Uh, next week, he's going to talk to you about an amazing opportunity that's been opened up to us specifically as Bay City. There's a movie called Unplanned. It's very controversial. It's been banned in Canada. They're trying to ban it in other countries. And uh, it's an abortion story. And uh, it is the most incredible movie. And we have the opportunity to have a private viewing here just for Bay City Church. It's coming up really soon. So uh, Pastor Dave will be talking to you about that next week. Amen. But when I was praying, when I was uh, preparing this message uh, for this morning, I've been praying all week for you, for who would be here. And uh, there was two things that God showed me that He wants to do today. He wants to break shame and He wants to restore your honour. There's people here today and you're locked in, you want to move forward, but it's like you've been locked into your past and you feel like you keep getting pulled back to things that you did in the past. And it's like the enemy comes and he tries to pull you back. For some of you here, there's been a reproach over your life, a judgment. And sometimes it hasn't been by people, it's been by the enemy and you felt accused. But today God wants to break that off your life. He wants to restore honour today. Amen. And the second thing I believe He wants to do today is He wants to fuel hunger. What excites me most is I can feel hunger in this room. I can feel hunger. It's hunger for Him. Church, we've got to get away from who was the worship leader, who was preaching, who was doing this. We've got to get hungry for Jesus. It's not about who's on the platform. It's all about whether I'm hungry in my heart. Amen. But God today wants to move on your life. And if you will let Him, He will shift you today from every place you're stuck. And He's going to shift you into something new. His Word says this, that I am doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? It springs up before you and I will make a way in the wasteland and I will make streams in your desert. Amen. He wants to bring a revival today in your heart. It will start in your heart and then it will go out from there. He's called you not to live an ordinary life. He's called you to live extraordinarily for Him. And this message is called a life less ordinary. You and I get to choose. He's going to awaken hunger today in your heart. There's someone here today, there's at least one, maybe two, and you felt like, you know, I love God, but I feel like it's over. I've screwed up too many times. I don't know how to move forward anymore. And I want to tell you today that, that your story isn't over. Your story's not over today. If you're full, if you're hopeless, He's your hope today. If you're feeling lacking in vision today, he will be your vision today. Today, if unbelief has crowded your heart, today He is the spirit of faith. Today, if you're needing a way forward, He is wisdom today. He's wisdom today, I prophesy it. He's wisdom when you don't know what to do in your business, in your, in your family, in your marriage, in your finance. He will be that for you today. And today I wanna look at a story. A lot of us will know the story. And it's found in Luke 7. And it's about a woman. She has no name and actually she doesn't say a word right the way through this account. It's a true story. It's not a fairy tale. She doesn't say a single word, but her life is recorded in history. She must have done something pretty great. And I want to talk to you about her. And the Bible says that she's a sinful woman, that she's a prostitute. She's immoral. She's a hooker. And everybody in the neighborhood, everybody in town knew who she was and they knew what she did. And they knew what she did for a living, that she sold herself to make a living. They knew. Her reputation went before her. Today, what are you known for? The enemy wants to hold us back to our past, to our past mistakes so that we can't move forward. But I said before, God is doing something new and He wants to free you today. He wants to take reproach off your life. Is, I wanna know, is Anna Cole still here? Are you here today? Just give me a wave if you're here. 
I don't know if you're here today, but if you're watching online, Anna, I want to prophesy over you. There's a scripture and it says this, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in your portion. And therefore in your land, you shall possess double Anna. Everlasting joy shall be yours. I prophesy that over you today. I prophesy it over you today, whether you're in that mother's, that parent room, or you're somewhere else today, that today publicly I break reproach off your life. I break where the enemy came in and tried to steal from you. The call of God is still there and the call of God is still awake and is still alive and is still established in Jesus' name. There's other people here today and you feel like God's passed you over and it's not true. It's the enemy trying to hold you back. So here's this woman and she's a prostitute. I bet she felt judged. I bet when she went to the supermarket, not that they had those, but you know, I bet when she went to the market, everybody looked at her sideways. She was that woman. You know the way sometimes if we're honest, we look at other people? You know, we look them up and down and we pretend not to, but we do it anyway. We all do it, right? You know? And I look back to find out a bit about her and there's nothing. I couldn't see anything. But here's what I did find, that Jesus was doing miracles everywhere and they were breaking out everywhere. There's a miracle where the centurion comes to him and he says, you know what? He says, one of my soldiers is so sick. I don't even need you to come. I just need you to say the word and he'll be healed. And so that happened. There's another time when, so just before Luke 7, Jesus is walking along and there's a funeral procession and this young man has died and his mum is a widow. And, and that's all the family the mum had. And he says he was moved with compassion. So he raises this young man from the dead in the middle of the funeral procession. You know what? Did he do it for the young man or did he do it for the mum? I'm not sure, but I think he had great compassion on that mum too. Amen? God is into families, right? And it says all through that time that um, blind eyes were being opened. And the dead were being raised. And people were being cured of their sicknesses. And so if you're here today, it's the same God. It's the same Jesus Christ. If you've got a sickness in your body, it's not about me. It's about Him. And He's deploying angels with healing in their wings today for you, for you. But you've got to take hold of it. And so I couldn't find anything about the woman that's the hooker. But here's what I found. And I've been studying this for a few weeks. But everywhere Jesus is moving and miracles, religion tries to shut him down. Every time I want to tell you that Jesus moves in your life, religion will come to try and shut down the move of God in your life. When God does something powerful, religion will always compete to have a voice. And this is what it sounds like. It sounds like criticism. It sounds like sarcasm. It sounds like doubt. It's usually those around us. They say, really? Really? Really, did God say that? They just start to question and it starts to lower our faith and we start to draw back. Don't allow religion to have a voice. You know what? Straight after these miracles, here's what it says in Luke 7. That afterward, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, a Jewish religious leader named Simon, he's a Pharisee, asked Jesus home to dinner. Isn't that interesting? As soon as Jesus had poured out all these miracles, religion invited him for dinner. Isn't it amazing? Holy Spirit. And I don't know, we don't know what Simon's motives were, but I wonder, and I wanna suggest this, that his motives weren't all pure just to have Jesus in for a meal because he's a religious leader and Jesus, all these miracles are happening around Jesus and it's not happening around the religious leaders. And he wants to know what's going on with this guy. Who is this guy? Is he the real deal? And all the time the Bible says that they used to try and set Jesus up. They used to set up traps for him. And we know that Jesus wasn't the only one invited for dinner. So anyway, a whole, so I reckon he was trying to check Jesus out. Maybe he was even threatened. But here's our woman. She's the prostitute. She's the hooker. And she finds out that Jesus is going to Simon's house. And it says that she was compelled to be there. You know what the word compelled means? It means an overwhelming sense that, that I have to do it. When was the last time you felt compelled to be in His presence? Or has it become a duty? I know I should, but then we make excuses. You know, this woman, her story is filled up with ugly parts. 
with broken parts, broken pieces, terrible choices. Today, what's your story? Is there a wrestling in your life? We say we want God, but all these other things seem to take the priority. What's the wrestle in your life today? Is it your marriage? Is it your future? Is it your job? Is it your identity? Is it your children? Your relationships? What is it today Jesus Christ wants to meet with you? And this woman heard that Jesus, she heard all that Jesus was doing. She heard, she saw the transformations. She saw the miracles. She saw that they were breaking out everywhere. Can you imagine that? Miracles breaking out everywhere. Everywhere he went, there were miracles. People being raised from the dead. It would have been a crazy, crazy scene. And here's this woman who's trapped in something. And I think she saw people's lives getting so radically changed that she knew she wanted that. You know, when you've been dead for so long and you see something that is alive, you know what, you ain't got nothing to lose anyway. And I think that's where she was. I think this woman was really, really planned because the Bible says this, that she went to Simon's house. I'm telling you now, there is no way a hooker is gonna be allowed inside a religious leader's house. There's no way they'd let her in. So how did she get in the house? That's what I wanna know. How did she get in? She would have had to be planned. And I'm telling you this, if that dinner was at seven o'clock, she would have been there early. She would have been there early and she would have been looking around the outside to work out how to get in because she was compelled to be near Him, to be near His presence, amen? When was the last time you were compelled? When was the last time I was compelled? When was the last time that, I, that we cried and said, I just gotta get near Him? Unless I have your God, I can't live. You know, I think a lot of us, we, we really, you know, we love God, but we've lost that first love, that hunger, you know, that real passion. Somebody sent me a song, a good friend sent me a song, and uh, the words say this. I'm, not, I'm done pretending. I want the real thing. You know, there's a scripture in Psalm 63, and I'd love you to put it up. This is from the Passion Translation. It's Psalm 63, verse 8. If we could have that up, that would be fantastic. It's coming up in a minute. I know it is. There it is. With passion, I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life and I keep my soul close to your heart. I believe that's where she was. She didn't know why she needed him. She just knew she needed to be around his presence. Amen. True freedom is in a heart connection with Jesus Christ. And with her that night, she brings a little box and I wanna tell you the little box is the game changer. The plan doesn't go as she thinks it will. And so here's the scene, I'm gonna, I'm gonna map it out for you. So you just need to imagine a little bit. And so the guests arrive and it doesn't say how many were there, but right at the end of the story, if you wanna read it in your own time, he refers to all the guests. So Jesus wasn't the only one. So all the guests arrive and I reckon it was the who's who of who's who because they were checking out Jesus, right? And Simon, who's the religious leader, he's the host, he greets everybody. And the custom in those days is that they greet them with a kiss. And then the servants wash everyone's feet and anoint them. In this case, except for one. This was the custom. I reckon this was a setup to see how Jesus would react and respond. They were always trying to catch him out and Jesus knew it. So Jesus takes his seat at the table, right? And then our no-name girl, the hooker, with a bigger reputation, who's dirty, who's shamed, who's judged, who's ostracized and rejected by everyone. She goes to anoint Jesus' feet. And in those days they reclined, so they, they lay down when they were, when they were dining. She, she doesn't even try to come near his face. She just wants to anoint his feet from behind. But there's something wrong. And she bends down to anoint his feet and she realizes that he's been dishonored. And she realizes that they, ha they haven't washed his feet. And that there's still donkey muck and dirt and dust all over them and it moves her to tears. And maybe it's because she saw his great love poured out on so many people and the miracles, and then she realizes what they've done to him. 
and she begins to weep and she's so overcome with emotion that the Bible says that her tears begin to wet his feet. They wash his feet. And the word wet there literally means that she rained down tears on him. And now the unclean is washing the Savior's feet and making them clean. And her tears started to wash his feet and all the muck and all her muck-ups and all her mess-ups and all her regrets and all her sin and it starts to pour out with her tears. It starts to pour out of her heart. You know, tears are the language of the heart. And it starts to pour out and it starts to wash his feet. And in his presence, you know what, you and I, we become aware of the mess in our heart. We come on a Sunday often with our Jesus face on but we're out of touch with the mess in our heart. We have such a need for him. You know what? Jesus didn't reject her when she came near. He welcomed her. Today, Jesus welcomes you. He won't reject you. That's the enemy telling you that if you come close, you'll be rejected. That's a lie today. Next, she begins to kiss his feet. And the verb here, it's a compound word, and it literally means to kiss earnestly. It is the same word used in Luke when the father, father starts to kiss his son, the prodigal son, when he comes home. It's the same one. She kisses his feet. You know the word worship, our worship today, the word literally means to kiss towards. Her worship has been poured out on the king. They tried to dishonor him and the lowest of the low, the one we would have judged, pours out on him. And now it's uncontrollable. And her tears are flooding the place and she becomes aware of herself, her own condition, of her own heart. And she becomes aware of Him. The closer we get, the more we become aware. Amen? The, more, the closer we get, three things start to happen in our lives. The first one is we become aware of our true state. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah says this, he says, in the year King Uzziah died, he saw a vision of the Lord and the heavens opened up and he saw, he saw angels and he saw the heavens open up and he saw incredible things, but he didn't say, oh wow, that's amazing. You know what he did? His response was this, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people that are the same and he starts to repent. You know what? When we come close to God, when we truly come into his presence and we become aware of him, and we become aware of our state, the first thing that happens is repentance starts to flow. We become less conscious of who we are like she did. And repentance starts to flow where we, we wanna get our lives right with Him. The second thing that happens is revival starts to happen on the inside of our hearts. He starts to renew you and I. It can't ever happen out there unless it happens inside of us, amen? And the third thing that happens is this, is that that same revival that starts to burn in your heart, it'll start to flow out and touch the people around you. It'll start to flow out and touch your school. Where's Melody? Are you here today? Where's Melody? Where? In Boost. I'll get her in a minute. Can you get her? Revival will start to touch your heart. It'll start to flow out and firstly, it'll touch the people just around you. It's not about touching the multitudes. If you and I had true revival in here, it would start to flow out. Marianne and Herb, I wanna honor you because what's happened in your own lives, it started to touch your family. Is that right? It started to touch and reach out. I wanna, I wanna honor you today. Moira and Tavani, it's the same. What is on your life, it's touching people. Melody, come, Melody, I wanna pray for you. This young woman, I know you don't know what I'm doing. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Somebody stand behind her. This young woman has a fire in her belly and I didn't know you weren't in the service, but I, I prophesy today that revival will come from the inside of you. There's a purity in your life. There's a hunger for the things of God. There's a black and whiteness about you and there's a no compromise. And today in the name of Jesus Christ, I decree, I decree the spirit of revival over you. In Jesus' name, let the fire of God, let it burn in a life today in Jesus' name. Lord, let it burn in a life. Lord, I thank you today. She would be a fire starter in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. You know what? We've got an amazing bunch of young people here. And all of them are are full of fire. They're full of fire. But I know that that was, uh, Melody, there's something on your life. There's something being birthed right now on your life. Let the Lord, let Him do what He's doing. It's going to be, you've been this quiet, shy thing. And that's been amazing. But I think God has been preparing you in secret. And I think there is this explosive fire that is going to come out of you and it's going to be a heart for people and you're going to win souls. You're going to win souls. You're going to win souls. I bless you today. Are you serving out there? Amen. I'm not sure if you need to be back out there. Just ruined the program. I'm sorry. Jesus, he's moving, right? He's moving. And you know this, what? you know what? He wants to revive us today. He wants to revive me. He wants to birth something new in us. Are you hungry? And you know this woman, this hooker, it says that she starts to transform before their eyes, the whole room. She starts to transform. She's not the prostitute anymore because in His presence, she's changing and He wants to do that to you and I. And the only place you and I can truly change, it's found in His presence. And you know what? I love having time with Jesus by myself, but I love coming into a corporate atmosphere where I can come on a Sunday and celebrate Him with people because it does something on the inside of me. Holy Spirit, sometimes, you know what? If we've been saved, if you've been saved a long time, we've got to go back to that time when we first got saved and remember what He did. Remember what He saved us out of. You know, I was a messed up teenage girl. That's what I was. I knew God. I'm so grateful. I honor my parents today. I was brought up in a traditional church and I knew God and I loved Him, but I had no relation, I had little relationship. I didn't know that if I mucked up, it was okay and that he would call me back every time. I didn't know any of that, and I was messed up. And I got to a point where I was so messed up that ended up in hospital, ended up in all sorts of places. And then one day, by myself, in my room, Jesus Christ came in by Him, just me and Jesus, and He saved me. He saved me and He set me free today. And you know what? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I don't think I ever said a sinner's prayer. He saved me on my own. He saved me and He set me free. And then He put good people around me to walk with me, amen. Holy Spirit, He wants to do that for you today. Gratefulness opens the heavens over your life. If things are hard right now, learn to speak out things that you're grateful for. I'm grateful for this. Even if it's small, even if it's small, just start speaking it out. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for breath. I'm grateful for clothes on my back. Start to speak it out. And as you start to speak it out, you become grateful. You become, and the heavens start to open over your life. We'll get back to this lady and she realizes she's got no towel. And so she takes the pin out of her hair, which is actually outrageous in those times. They weren't allowed to have their hair down. It was called her crowning glory and she dries his feet with her hair. She would have risked everything that the room thought of her. She loved extravagantly. Extravagant means this. It means lavish. It means over generous. It means over the top. It means extreme. I'm going to ask you again, when was the last time you truly gave an over generous, extravagant offering to the king where you held nothing back, where you weren't thinking about the next thing you have to do? You know, loving him, but still thinking about that thing. When we just gave him all our adoration. And she brings with her a box And it's not just any box, because any box in those days was made of clay. But this box was made of alabaster. Alabaster was precious, and it was worth a lot. And the word alabaster actually means transparent and pure. What do you and I bring our offering in? Is it clay? Or is it alabaster? Is it pure? Is it transparent? Got no strings attached. You know, an alabaster box was something that housed a beautiful perfume, very, very expensive. In those days, it was a perfume called nard. And it was extremely rare. It was extremely expensive. And women had these boxes, and they were often used as a dowry for when they were going to get married to give to the husband or to give to the family for when she got married. But she brings her box with her. And the worth of this box, they reckon, was about a year's wages. So the average wage in New Zealand is about that much. She's she's holding nothing back. Are you and I, have we, where are we with that? 
where is our heart with being able to give Him everything? Her gift is expensive and unmistakable. And the fragrance nard was also medicinal. It, had, it just was so, counted so precious in those times. And all her past was represented in that box. Everything it took to accumulate the funds for that box. And all her future was also in that box too. Everything. Everything she was, everything she wanted to be was in that box. What compels somebody like that? And then she does something that changes everything. She breaks the box. She takes the most precious, valuable thing she has. And the fragrance and the aroma is unmistakable. And it's so strong that it fills the whole room and everybody knew. What did they know? Everyone in the whole room knew the value of her gift and it was a game changer. They knew that she had taken the most expensive thing that everybody knew what it was and she had broken it on Jesus. And now the whole atmosphere in the room had shifted and this was the game changer. She didn't need to speak a word because it was by her demonstration. My demonstration, your demonstration, my actions, your actions, shout out to the world what I value, what I believe, who I am, who I serve, the way I show up, the way I choose not to show up. Her generosity, her gift showed up their lack. Honor brings His presence stronger. When was my last offering to Him? I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about worship. When was my offering to Him so unmistakable? We want a move of God in our nation. I know we do. But you know what? It comes from this place. It comes from this. It's not about being the best. It's not about this and that. It's not about programs. It's all about my heart. It's all about if there is a, a revival in my heart and it can flow out. And there's true devotion that takes and that sends me over the top to almost to an extreme offering, to a ridiculous offering for Him. You know what? The atmosphere in our schools will start to change. The atmosphere in our church will sustain. And I wanna thank every person here that's a prayer, that prays for our church. The atmosphere in our council will change and their jobs will be easier. The atmosphere in, our, in the DHB will change. The atmosphere over our social welfare system will change when not the people out there, but you and me, you and me in this room, we change and we become so caught up with the King of Kings that it can't help but flow out and affect people. And everywhere we go, whatever your job is, whatever work you have, whatever place you have in the community, it changes, it changes everything. She didn't need to speak one word. She didn't need to preach. She demonstrated her love for Him. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Her gift shows up their lack. What will you and I be known for? Will we be known for gratefulness and kindness, love, pouring out love when, even when, you know, people don't deserve it or they've been horrible, but you sow it out anyway, grace. <clears throat> or will we be known for offense, unforgiveness, gossip? Because you know what? They know we come to church so what are you gonna be known for? We gotta choose. The no-name woman who was known for a sin, you know what, now she's been transformed, being transformed, and now she's known for her extraordinary offering. She's no longer ordinary. She's been shifted into something extraordinary because of her hunger for Him. You and I can have that. She's not defined by her mess-ups. And I believe that's where God will break reproach. When you and I forget about the people, forget about the people that you feel are criticizing you or forget about your past mistakes, but you start to set your heart and your devotion and your attention on Him, you know what? He will break reproach of your life. He will restore honor to you. All of us have a box. We've got really precious things in there. Some of us, it's our dreams, it's our desires. For some of us, maybe it's our hurt. Maybe it's offenses. And you know what? The truth is we do like to nurse them a little bit, a lot, a little bit. 
Sometimes it's bitterness, it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's secret sin. You know, sitting here today and you're thinking, man, if anyone truly knew what I do in secret. The truth is you will never be rejected. The lie of the enemy is, is don't bring things to the light because they won't like you and God won't like you and you're gonna be all on your own. That's a lie of the enemy. Today, God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free, amen? In the Bible, everyone that had an encounter with Jesus Christ was changed immediately. Zacchaeus, he's the guy, he was the fraudster, he's the tax collector. And Jesus said to him, he, all these people wanted to have time with Jesus and he points to Zacchaeus and he says, you, he says, I'm coming to have lunch with you today. No one knows what happened in the lunch, but you know what? He was transformed because when he came back, he started to give out, he repaid all the people, all the money he'd taken. Not only did he repay it, but he repaid it over and over. I think it was seven times over. So you know what? From one lunch with Jesus Christ, he reformed the economic climate of a whole community. That's transformation, right? You look at Saul, one encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, going from slaughtering all the Christians and putting them in prison. Now he's been transformed and now he becomes one of, the, one of the greatest apostles that we've ever heard of. Completely transformed in one moment. All of us have a box, but where are you? You know what? Sometimes it's a risk to give Jesus what's in our box because you know what? If it's a dream you've been holding on to for a long time, what say if I give it to him? What will he do with it? Will he, will he do it my way? Will he give it back to me? And you know what? I wanna say it's a risk. There was a time in my life, there was something I was really believing for. And I felt God, I said to God, if I, if I let this go to you, will you promise you'll be faithful? And you know what I felt God say? I felt God say, you just need to trust me. He didn't give me the answer. He said, you just need to trust me. You know what, God, God released the thing I was believing for in far more of a dimension than I could ever ask for. Because He's trustworthy. Because He's trustworthy today. We're gonna learn to stay close to Him. I said this last time I was preaching, but I wanna say it again. The enemy's strategy is this, it's to divide you from God so that He can conquer you. He wants to divide you from the truth. Jesus Christ will never reject you. We will never reject you. But the enemy will tell you that's the truth because he knows that if he can keep you disconnected from God, he can keep you from moving forward. Amen. Repentance comes before revival. It's personal revival and then corporate revival. But I wanna, I was thinking the other day, you know, I think most of us here, we love God, that's the truth, we do. But how do you turn on the switch to hunger? Like, is it a switch? Is it something that just, do you get hunger when you first get saved and then it peters out? What, how do you get it back? And so I've been thinking about this and I wanna give you one simple key and it's this, it's in your imagination. Your imagination was given to you by God. But for many of us, we've allowed the enemy to hijack our imagination and it gets defiled by the things that our eyes hook to. You and I, our eye gates, our eyes are a gateway to our imagination. Whatever we look at, what goes in our eye gate is grabbed by our imagination. Our heart will follow our eyes. Whatever we focus on visually or mentally, we open our inner man up to. So if I can imagine it for long enough, I can see it and I can walk in it. And that's great, but what say I don't dwell on good things? What say that most of the time I dwell on God sometime? But what say most of the time I'm caught up with other things? What say my attention is caught up with porn? What say my attention is caught up with Facebook, with the internet, with social media, with Instagram? What say my attention is caught up with friends? What say my attention is caught up with gaming? Or whatever it is, then that's what feeds me and that's what diminishes hunger. Some of those things, they're not bad. Some of them are. Some of those things are not bad but it's what is the thing that I feed on the most? So here's the question that you know, is when you first get up in the morning, what do you go to first? Because if it's not Jesus, if something else has hooked your attention, it'll change the hunger level in your life and you'll live under a ceiling of containment. 
And then we get used to it. And you know, here's what we do. We minimize it. We go, oh, well, it's only a little bit. It's only a little bit. I'll, I'll look at Facebook and then I'll have time with Jesus. And I'm not talking about rules here, how you do it. You work it out yourself. I'm talking about a heart desire. I'm talking about if we want to be a people that are truly hungry and in a place like this woman, then somewhere we've got to activate hunger. And one of the ways we activate hunger is in our imagination. The, the Bible says that the eyes are the window to the soul. Your soul is made up of your mind. That's your, your, your thoughts, your decision-making. Sorry, that's your, that's your thinking. Your soul is made up of your will. That's your decision-making. And it's made up of your emotions, your feelings. So every time my eye hooks to something and I dwell on it, I look at it for a long time. It engages my decision-making. It engages my feelings. And it engages my thoughts. But what say I imagine something different? Could you put the uh, picture up for me, please? What say I imagine this? I know it's graphic, but it was graphic. What say I hold my attention on our king for longer and longer? And what say I go back to that place where I first got saved and remember what he saved me out of? And what say I go back to that place and I start to imagine him? You know, it, just before he was put on the cross, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And you check it out, but he says this, Father, if there's any other way, can you do something different? But if this is the only way, then I'll do it. He went there and he felt every part of that. He didn't, he didn't live supernaturally in the moments of the crucifixion. He felt every physical uh, thing that they did to him. They murdered him for you and for me. He went through the most unspeakable death. And when I engage my imagination and I fix my mind on what he did, you know what? Gratefulness and gratitude starts to come in my heart. And as I start to build that and I build gratitude towards the king, you know what? I start to get hungry. I start to get hungry and I live in a place where I go, I don't want that stuff. I don't want that other stuff in my life. I just want Jesus. And when the personal revival happens in my heart, then it starts to flow over into the people around me and I start to affect people around me. It's just one small key today, but if you can, if you can, if you can get a hold of that, what is your imagination fixed to? I want to tell you something that will kill hunger and it's this. It's when I'm one thing in one place and I'm in another thing somewhere else. You know, we talk about this to our kids and we talk about it to young people, but adults, I wanna say, I think we do it more than we care to admit. I think it affects us way more or just as much as it does a younger generation. When I'm around church people, I talk church. But when I'm with my work colleagues, when I'm with my workmates, when I'm with my unsafe family or friends, how do I behave? Do I suddenly talk and act differently? Do I start joking about things that you know that if Jesus was actually present in the room, you wouldn't do it? Do I start joking about drinking and, and, and all of those things? We've got to be different. We've got to be different if we're going to see revival come. There's a scripture and it's found in John, uh, James 1.8 and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It's talking about a man who was unstable in all his ways. We got that one ready? We've got an amazing media team. Can we have that scripture, please? Thank you. When you are half-hearted, the New King James Version says um, unstable. Sorry, yeah. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? When you and I are double-minded. This woman, she was unapologetic about who she, who she was serving, who she poured out to. You and I, your, our story can start new today. Your story can start new today. I wanna ask you today, don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for what the enemy says to you, that you're not enough. We've got a, there's a generation of young people standing up 
And I want to say to you today, will you lead your kids or will your kids lead you? Because they're standing up and you know what? They're passionate for Jesus. Are they perfect? No, they're not. None of us are meant to be perfect, but they're fiery for God. They're fired up for God. And next Sunday, some of them, not some of them are going to speak. I love you to come. God has so much more for you. There's a real generation out there that need to hear the truth. And they want the real on the platform and off the platform. They want the real in the church. They want to see the same thing outside the church as they see in the church. They don't want to come to church on a Sunday and then see us behaving differently out there. They want to see the same thing. You and I are called to be a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. You know how it happens? It happens by by repentance and then it happens by becoming so in love with Jesus that we get transformed in His presence and then anything can happen. That woman changed the game in that room. I wonder where you are today. I wonder today where you are. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus or maybe you've heard about Him or maybe you're backslidden in your heart. You once walked with Jesus. But I want to tell you today, He loves you. He loves you. There is nothing you can do that would turn His face from you. There is not one thing. And today, He, he wants to show you what true relationship is, not religion. Religion is a form. It's empty. It's a tradition. We go through traditions. We sing songs. We, somebody does the word. That's religion. But he wants relationship with you. And over 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross for you so that you could have relationship with him. If that's you today, you say, I want that. I want that real relationship. My life is a mess and I want to know Jesus and I want to walk with him today. If that's you, why don't you lift your hand? Anyone in this place? There's one over here. Awesome. I see your hand. There's another one here. There's two. Come on. Come on, church. Start to pray. Get a hunger in your heart. There's three. There's three, come on. Start to pray. There's another one over here. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is here for you today. Is there anyone else here today? What about today? What about today if you know that you've been far in your heart from Him and you say, you know what, I need to come back. I need to come back. I love Him, but I need to come back. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand up. Holy Spirit, come. Come. What we're going to do in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come to, I'm going to ask you to do something. But just before I do, there's people here I know where you have felt bound to your past, bound to the mistakes you made, or bound to what other people have thought of you or what the enemy's put on you. And today's the day that, that I believe that God wants to break reproach of your life. If that's you today, just lift your hand. Lift your hand. People putting their hands up. People putting their hands up all over the place. Come on, church. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you need to do some business with God. Maybe today you've got a box, an alabaster box, and it needs to be broken. You need to pour it out before God and say, God, I give you it all. And I trust you with my life. I trust you again with my whole life. What we're gonna do is uh, firstly, those people that put their hands up at the start, we're going to pray for you. And then uh, Moira's going to lead us in a song. This is a song that God has um, been speaking to me about. It's called Just Be. And it reminds me of the woman in the story. It's about being just being in His presence. And once we've prayed for these people, I'm going to open up the altar. And uh, we're just going to come, if you want to come and pour out to Him. You want to come and get prayer. We've got people here that can pray for you. We want to bring honor back into your life. We want to bring honor back into your life. But if you were here and you raised your hand just before and you said, you know what? I want to declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There was about four people. There was one up the back, the young man with the red cap. There was one here. It's Laura over here. And I think there was someone over here. Why don't you come to the front right now? I'd love you to meet me up here. I want to pray for you this morning. Come on, church. If you've got a friend with you, bring the friend. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, we're all going to pray this together. You know this, that Jesus Christ loves you. He knew today. Come on over.
Tynan's girls, I met them at the clothes swap the other night. I'm going to pray for, we're going to pray for all of you. I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ has a plan for your lives. He doesn't promise that your life will be easy, but he promises to give you a full and a rich life. And he wants to give you hope today. Laura, he wants to give you hope today. He's breaking reproach off your life today. Holy Spirit, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer and the whole church is going to pray too, right? We're all going to pray. And, uh, and what we're going to do, we're going to pray this prayer, and we're going to ask Jesus to come into our hearts, and we're going to ask Him um, to forgive us of all the things we've done wrong. And we're going to ask for a full connection with Him, okay? So why don't you, we're going, to re- we're going to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, come on church, Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you love me. I thank you today, Jesus, that over 2,000 years ago, you died on a cross for me and you have forgiven me of my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for all of the things that I've done wrong. I'm sorry for walking my own way. And today I ask you to come and be my Lord and Saviour and I trust you to do it. Amen. 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 I'd love some people to, the people that are behind them, if you can pray for them, that would be great. We'd have some people with some, where's Sam done it? Come on up, Sam, come and help. That'd be great. What we're going to do now, I've got, um, the team are going to sing a song. You're welcome to join in. But I'm going to open up this altar this morning. And if you've got an alabaster box, you need to do business with God. We're going to open up this altar that you can come and you can, you can open up your heart again to God. Maybe you're here and you need reproach broken off your life. You feel there's shame holding you back. Then today God wants to deliver you of that. So as she comes, why don't you stand today to your feet? We're going to worship Jesus. But come on out the front this morning. If we've got our prayer team here this morning, Pastor Joy, love you to pray. Prayer team here this morning. Come on out. Come on out this morning. And everything else can I've come to seek your If we can have our prayer team out here this morning to pray. Everything else can presence is here for you this morning. He wants to set you free this morning. children to pick up this morning. You're welcome to go and pick up your children this morning. You're welcome to stay in His presence. Joe Donnelly, can you come and pray, please? Aaron and Julie, can you come and pray?